Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shiur. We finish Kaddish for him. So, may the Shama have a true Aliyah, an Aliyah that he's deserving. The Nishmas Estimalcha Bas Marachetzalach. The Nishmas Matana Bas Muslim Gabriel Yaakov. And adding also Shimon Ben Yitzchok. Who only recently passed away, unfortunately, for unfortunate circumstances, a young fellow. Um, Ellie was what we'd call today a sweet boy. Just a sweet boy. He was kind. He was nice. He's understanding to a lot of people. Fortunately, had his situation, not a situation actually, but the condition that he had didn't leave him running in the regular circles. It only came up uh, after several years. As a little child, he was the sweetest little boy. And his loving parents were dedicated, devoted to him, Levin Efesh. Did whatever they could, um, were there for him whenever they could. He outgrew them, shall we say, to an extent where they can no longer be and do what they really want to do as parents. Unfortunately, at a very tender young age, Nebuch was nifter. Tenish Moses Rebbe Zerachayim Kitz Vranu Sheikh Neofar The 11 months Kaddish was recited for him thrice daily definitely brought him to the highest places of Gan Eden where he truly deserved as he spent all his life doing what he thought was right what he could do, the most he could do devoting himself the most he could devote himself he should be a good to better his family, his parents, siblings. They all loved him ever so much. Shamish Havaliyah. Tonight is the station, tomorrow. Um, 63 years old three boys and a girl Baruch Hashem everybody was able to be married
dedicated and devoted is probably an understatement. But more than anything else, her home is always open to any and everyone. I can attest to my own children, their nieces and nephews. Israel was a great place to be, especially since they had a home. It wasn't a, a makeshift home, it was a home. And they, they truly lived by her. There was no compromising. And the schus of the miracle of her literally being buried no more no less one space away from her father in Harazesim is not to be described. I'm very close to the Chavakadisha, unfortunately, such friends. And he told me he has no idea how that space was empty. But he says that Ashkar Pratis, when he looked up and saw my father-in-law, her father, literally one caver away, he was blown out of the water. So she had a schusen. She meant this schusen. And as we know, Rachel Mevachel Donel, Rachel Imenu cries for her children. And we rely on Mam Rachel, and therefore she was buried. Derech Ephras, she was buried where she was buried, the place that she was buried was Dafke, where the Yidin would be passing by when they would end up going to Bavl, to Golos. And she was buried there, Dafke, so that the children, her children, should be able to daven on their way to Golos. And it is Rachel Imenu, of course, as we know, we've said many times in the different Shurim, is reward to what you have done and therefore in your merit your children will be returned to their boundaries they will be brought back into Eretz Yisrael Shleishim has many different ramifications for different types of relatives, siblings, parents. Children have, unfortunately, a whole year of mourning. And although surely the siblings will mourn her the entire year, and then, and then some, their halachic mourning is only till the end of the Shleishim. This week, <laughs> it almost sounds like we forgot we're doing a Pashas here. This week is Pashas Nitzavim. Today, Meish Rabbeinu says, you are standing, all of you, before God. And as the rebuke of the Musr, 
that Moshe Rabbeinu gives the Yidin throughout Chumash Dvarim until this point. He's now, again, continuing, but giving them different pointers and different ideas and thoughts. One of the things, a very important, poignant point in this expression is Shafta Ad Havaya Lekecha. Shuvah. You will return. You will repent. If you keep in score at home, the Gemara Yuma, pay Vov Amidbez. Rashi over there explains. Chuva, repentance done out of Ava, out of love, causes that Zdainais Nasale Kizachyais. All the sins that one did on purpose are reverted and instead of being, God forbid, bad marks against them, they become zakhis, they become merits. It uproots the entire sin, the entire scenario, and now it becomes a merit for the person. Which means to say, this tshuva, this repentance that one does, uproots entirely the sin from the beginning root, and it's as if it never happened. The only thing that it does look like it happened is that they have a merit in its stead. Cause and effect. We know in the world when there's a cause there has to be an effect. When there's something that's causing something, ultimately, beforehand, when there's an effect of something, therefore we know that there was a cause beforehand. So then how is it possible that this tshuva should have such an existence that it totally uproots and eradicates the bad and the, the evil? not just eradicates it, but from its beginning, from its source. The sin was done. The deed was done, as we say. How do we wipe that deed away totally? Perhaps we can explain. The fact that something that we do, a pu'ula, cannot go back in time it's only when you want to cause a new entity you want to take that old entity and make it into something new something that wasn't there before but when you're talking simply about polishing fixing, renovating the revelation on something that was already we self-understood that something that happens later can cause a an effect on what happened before and so too in our case every Jew because of his own essence because of his soul, the depth of his soul is good and is holy. However, unfortunately, when a person does a sin, at that moment, 
his true his true essence of goodness and holiness goes into hiding. So therefore we understand what Shuva Be'ava does. It's not burning over there. A Shuva Be'ava can therefore lemafreya. it could make from something that happened in the past and t- change around the entire entity. It doesn't cause anything new to happen from what was in the, in the past. It elevates it. It reveals the true essence the good, the spirituality that the Jew had even before that, before sinning, and thereby the Jews' acts become merits. Another command, and we call statement, Umol avaya and God will circumcise your heart. But that cloud generally we know a circumcision where a circumcision is by boys. So to by a heart, like it says in the Pasuk of Maltem, it's Arla Slavavchem. And it will do a cause mila on the Arla of your hearts. So what does he mean to say here? Umol Hashem Alekecha as Levavcha. That God will circumcise the heart itself. We know from what we just said before. Vishavta Levay Alekecha, Bechol return, repent to your God with your full heart. So in that case, it's clear. When a Jew comes with his full heart, they no longer have the Arla on it. And when a person doesn't have the Arla Salev, this different code, this skin on the heart, then the person can, God forbid, suspect perhaps that the heart would turn away from God. This is therefore what it says in the Tera. Do not turn off. Do not stray after your hearts and your eyes. And Rashi explains what does that mean? Ayin roya, the eyes see, and the heart lusts, yearns, wants. And therefore, even though if the heart doesn't have this yearn for certain things, but when the eye sees it, this awakens within the heart to want to have it. This is very hard for the person to master, for the person to conquer, for the person to be able to control. The vision of the eye and the yearning of the hearts, this is the nature that Akash Baruch instilled within the person. The person cannot nullify that. And therefore the Pasuk is telling us God will see to it
literally circumcises. God. And he cuts away this connection between the influence of the eye and the yearnings of the heart. And the Mela, the person no longer have a taiva, no longer has a yearning for things that are prohibited. And if the person hasn't got that, has got, gets that taken away from him, he achieves the avas from the kecha You can love God with your full heart, full soul, as the pasuk finishes off. Controlling one's heart. Many people have a custom between Pesach and Shavuos to say Pirkei Avos. And then some have a custom including Chabad to say it throughout the summer. Until Rosh Hashanah. However, the weeks don't always work out. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we need to double up. Which means we would say two parakim a week. Two parakim each week. And therefore, this week will be Peri Chamishi and Shishi, as it is the last Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah. I'm not quite sure. how we squeeze the Shiri next week as you know Wednesday Tuesday Wednesday Rosh Hashanah hopefully Shem will figure it out for us but until then let's try to throw out a little bit of um, little bit tidbits of laws for Rosh Hashanah. Um, I don't know how exactly this works, but if you go to anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R, dot fm slash Yisrael Y-I-S-R-O-E-L number one Yisrael one anchor dot fm forward slash Yisrael one is a little podcast by mini Rabbi Hecht my son Yisrael Leibish give you a lot of insight on the Amtevim customs. Mitzrayim is Rosh Hashanah is Shefa. Mitzvah the day is to hear the Shefa. Ideally, completely do the Mitzvah, we need to hear 100 blasts. The tkiyas that are blown, four davening, four Muslim starts, 30. And then the course of Shemineser, and then the course of Chazar Sashat, and then after Shemineser. 
hundred bless. Mini Chabad is another thirty after that. In case for Justin, just in case you forgot or you missed. Preschool children come home. What'd you learn, my tired child? My dear child, what'd you learn for Rosh Hashanah? First song comes to their lips. Time in history is dip the apple in the honey. How does that work? Well, Confusion always reigns. Because the first night, there's several things we have to do, and the second night we have to do things. And always the question becomes, what's the order? Do we dip the apple in the honey? All the meals? Chalik is dipped in honey. Salt also, but honey. We need to see to it that everything is sweet. We don't need sharp foods in Rosh Hashanah. Some people can say, taking away my whole pleasure of Yom Tov. So be it. We don't need sharp foods. Yom Tov. So that we have a sweet new year. I apologize to people that are disturbed in my eating, but um, the only way I can get through this year today is I haven't eaten. Um, So we make Yiddish on Monday night, because Tuesday and Wednesday are Shana. After Yiddish, we wash. We eat challah. And we take the apple. We dip it in the honey. Now this apple is not part of our meal. It's a separate entity. It's because it's, it's um, similar to dessert. So if you're going to have a compote, a fruit for dessert, you have in mind when you're eating this apple, the bracha you're making is for the dessert as well. If you're having ice cream, it doesn't help. If you're having apple cake, or Honey cake doesn't help either. You dip the apple in the honey. Unlike anything else you ever do, you make the bracha. We don't put it directly in our mouth. We make the say the hirots, and it should be a sweet year for us. And then we eat it. Nowhere else is there ever a bracha made. And then we don't eat immediately, we say something in between. Um, and then we proceed to eat the regular meal. Many people have the head of a ram, some people have the head of a fish. We discussed this by many shirim before. The tons and tons of different customs involved. The different Yihiratsans that I mentioned. Maybe the meat for the fish, maybe like the head, not from tail. And the more modern day one which we've said too many times already, but I'll say it again. 
the people that eat the raisin and the celery together, and they say, Yehirotzen, it should be your will that I should have a raisin celery. You can figure out the play of words, or you can just scratch your head all day. Now the second night, Rosh Hashanah is known as a Yemarichta. One long day. Second night we're making Kiddush again. We want to say Shekhyonu. But it's a long day. I said Shekhyonu last night. On what basis can I say Shekhyonu? We have a. I mean, each to his own, obviously. But else we have a whole uh, platter of different Shekhyonos. And the person making Kiddush, and so to the woman who lit Licht and made Shekhyonu, looks at that platter and chooses which food they're going to eat. And as soon as they make Kiddush, they finish Kiddush, they drink their wine. And they take that fruit and they make the very plates before washing. So that the Shekhyonu goes on that fruit. Unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, he didn't like everything to be a party. Once you start that ball rolling, it becomes Shekhyonu party. And they start eating all the other Shekhyonas as well. Try to refrain. Eat your one Shekhyonu, wash, and then continue your meal, eat your Shekhyonas later. Finish the platter by dessert. Also understand if you eat more than just that one little shahyanu, you eat a kazayas actually, you have to make a bracha before you before you wash. You're running into a whole array of um Halachic discourses. My computer is threatening me. Better not. Going back to the subject we talk about, excuse me, just finish off, that's it, and then by day to hear the Shefer both days. Second day we go to Tashlech, we go to a water where there are live fish. Live water. So, the kitchen sink usually is not really good enough, but if you have nowhere else to go, I guess it could. Unfortunately, I think Louisiana and places like that have no problem finding the water. Um, that was a lousy joke, Rabbi. Beyond morbid. But of course you have to have um, humor and everything. So uh, someone sent around a video today already. People standing in their house never. The water's up the steps practically. One of the people running down the steps of the house because the hose from the faucet faucet from the hose was open. It was Running water. Where's the water going? It's <laughs> person had to wade through the water to get to it. But okay, they were saving the situation by not adding to the water. We go to say Tashlich by a water bank where there's a fish. The reason for the fish because the fish 
don't have eyelids, they're underwater, and therefore there's no eye in hara that comes affecting them. They can afford to have our sins. Also symbolizing, just like the fishes never close their eyes, HaKadosh Baruch Hashem never closed his eyes on us. Should always be looked down, looked down at us with a good eye. Stories told the Meshulev Sasev, very holy Jew, was once, I don't know how he ended up in the forest, but he was captured by a bunch of thieves. And like everybody else captured by the thieves, they got robbed and killed. They tied him up to kill him. One of the thieves says, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I know you. When I was younger, I used to come eat in your house. Shabbos, Yom Tov. You got an open house for everybody. I was a young bacher. I oftentimes went to eat in your house. I have to have a cutter to tape to you. I have to, in a way of paying you back, I won't kill you. However, this is a however, I need you to teach my son Terah. So you're going to stay with us until you teach him to read and write and learn Tater. He agreed. Unfortunately, the thief's son must have been like father, like son, which is why, unfortunately, the father became a thief. Couldn't understand anything he was taught. Which unfortunately, today's day and age, is the MO for all those people at Nebuch. Have a hard time learning, and they get thrown to the side of the road, and um, have to make themselves a person. Some succeed. Some succeed. I know many. Couldn't read in school. Still can't read. A lot more successful than people that can read. I told you the story with the Walbaum supermarket. When he came from Europe, Mr. Walbaum, he um, went, what can he do already? He went to shul looking for a job as a shamus. Shamus has to lane, has to this, has to that, clean up. Nowhere to put different books. He's knowledgeable Jew, knowledgeable Jew. He did well. He gave his uh, what they call a prabe. His trial, and they liked him. He drew up a contract. When they asked him to sign contract, he says, I-, "I can't. I don't know how to write." You don't know how to write English? No, I just came here. I'm a greenhorn. You can't sign the contract. We can't hire you. I said, okay, sorry. He went out and he found a little bit of a skater. He found some kind of things. He bought, he sold, he sold and bought, sold and bought until he opened up a little grocery and turned into a supermarket which turned into a chain known as Wallbaums. And he used to sign his checks always with X's. And they said to him one day, Mr. Wallbaum, you're such a rich executive. Can't sign your name? He said, if I could sign my name, I'd be a shaman's national. Anyway, 
Reb Moshe Leib tried to teach this boy. No matter what he tried to teach him, it did not go in. It did not enter. Didn't penetrate. The boy would come to the father at night. Father say, "No, what's the What did you learn?" Never have stopped the cup. He didn't know. Father used to give him Makas Retzach, he used to beat him. What do you mean you don't know? How can you not know? This happened never every night. You understand? Child stood quiet. Never said boo. Every day came back to learn, and every day never same problem, and same patch, never said boo. Bayim, he didn't understand something. He started to grasp something, and the man felt okay. You did yours. Come, told the little boy. Take the guy and walk him to the out of the forest. He's hiding out of the forest. And he did. As he's walking him out, the Meshulev asked the boy, Zagme Mankin, tell me, how? How did you manage to do that? How do you manage every time your father would beat you like that, you just stood there quietly? What's the secret? So he tells him, We're thieves. As thieves, you have to worry about somebody getting caught. If someone gets caught, they're going to be tortured, and they're going to be told. They're going to tell out secrets, they'll tell out hiding places. We're trained not to bend. Really? What is the secret? What do they train you? Three things. First of all, they start hitting us. We know this pain's not going to last forever. Secondly, in this picture, the person hitting me is my father. And therefore, he doesn't really want to hurt me. It might be painful, but he doesn't want to hurt me. He's my father. And thirdly, every time I get a zetz, I say, oh, that's the last one. If another one comes after that, Okay, that's the last one. These three, these three things in mind are what keeps us sane and what trained us that we, in case Hashem were ever tortured, never to give up any secrets, never to tell anything, never divulge anything. Needless to say, Meshulayim Sasev was ecstatic. He was ecstatic. He now understood why he was here. To learn these three lessons and teach this to his chassidim. When chas v'sholom, chas v'sholom, a person is in sar. Chas v'sholom, a person is in pain. When a person is chas v'sholom hurting, they must always remember that this does not last forever. It will go away. You might get a new tzar, but the old one won't be there. If we're getting hit by something, and we feel something is attacking us, something is hurting us, we have to remember it's a vinu sheva shemayim. It's our Father in Heaven that's doing it. It doesn't mean to hurt us. The fact that physically, mundanely in our world, we think that we're being hurt, 
And finally, when we go through, God forbid, trials, tribulations, hard times, we have to always think this is the last. This is it, we're finished, it's not going to happen again. And thereby, we can overcome any kind of pain and problem. And this he learned from the Ganav. But we don't know what pain means, why pain is inflicted, Unfortunately, there are times that we're embarrassed, we're hurt, and we can't we can't get past it. We need to rise above it. We need to move on. Because we don't know what the divine hand has in store for us. Tell a story of an old couple decided to settle in the Holy Land of Israel. Decided to settle in the Holy Land of Israel. Why? Most of the children were there, so they're getting older. And they settled in Jerusalem. And they got. ID, everything that you shall be hidden. By the wife was nifter. The wife passed away. They buried her in And the husband bought a plot next to her. But his children weren't in Yerushalayim. They lived in a different part of Israel. He went to live with his children. And he went to the area, to his local offices there. He said he'd like to change his residency from Yerushalayim to here. And um, his bureaucracy may have it. He was getting the runaround at all times. Send them here, send them there, send them that, and back we need these papers, we need those papers. After months of persevering, put his hands up. I'll live here, I'll be here, show me. Years went by. He lived talking with his children for a few years, apparently. And he passed away. Come to Chaim Kedish Yerushalayim. I want to bury him. Haram Nuchas next to the wife. I'm sorry. Can't do that. What do you mean? Haram Nuchas is too full. We don't take residents from different areas. And he obviously is a resident from wherever you guys are living. And they put down all this paperwork and everything. And lo and behold... He was a resident of Yerushalayim. <laughs> resident of Yerushalayim, we have to bury. And therefore, he was allowed to be buried next to his wife. Because, that the residency that he had was not revoked, was not taken away, was not changed, and he remained with the residency of Yerushalayim. We don't know what the hand of God dealt, deals us. Whether it be random phone call to a person for a minute favor of saying Mishaberach, saying a Kaddish. Sometimes we're in despair. 
and we know that there's a person not going to have somebody say Kaddish for them, we want to make sure that someone does. You try to reach out to call, you don't know who to call, and all of a sudden you happen to find somebody that's willing to undertake 11 months, three times a day to say Kaddish for the person. Wow. I don't know you, you don't know me. How much do you charge for that? They don't charge. You want to send, you don't send, you don't, you don't have, you have, you don't, you don't. The mitzvah is a mitzvah, the neshama, and therefore, the person says, I'll do it. Eleven months for three times a day. Wow. This is how Ashkara Pratis all of a sudden rings around a circle and gives us the a new connection. Somebody sometimes that can be as helpful as beneficial as, as, as a breath of fresh air, cold water in the desert. So we need to embrace, thank you Hashem, and see what we can benefit or what we don't have to benefit. We could just say thank you very much, sir, kind sir, you're very kind. And that's it, goodbye. I go my way, you go yours. Plus it tells us you're standing today, all of you, Kulchem, before Hashem your God. Who is everyone? Rashechem, Shivtechem, Ziknechem, Shetrechem, Kelish Israel. Elders, the officers, heads of your tribes, every Jew. Tabchem Neshechem young ones, young children, your wives, and the converts amongst you, the woodchoppers to the water carriers. For what? So that you may enter into the covenant of God your God, Hashem your God. The reason for this was every Jew was enlisted as a guarantor that his fellow Jew will observe Tata. If we keep his score home, Gimara Shavuis Lamit Tes Amralev, thirty nine, side one. Call Yisrael Arevim Zelaz. Each Jew is a guarantor for another one, for each other. Which means that every Jew bears a personal responsibility for his fellow Jew. As a guarantor, we presume that the person that's the guarantor has got something more than the person that's borrowing. He has some backing for it. And therefore, he's more dependable. When I tell you I'm borrowing money, and I say, who's your guarantor? I say, this is my guarantor. I imagine your guarantor has the money. Ha ha. The famous joke. The guy who borrowed $5,000 and parked his Rolls Royce in the bank. Anyway, I don't know which year it was in, but I'm not finishing the joke now. Sorry if I leave you high and dry. But the wealthy person it serves as a guarantor for the poor person's loan. But not vice versa. If a wealthy man is going to come to the bank to get out a loan, he's not going to bring a poor guy and say, okay, he's my guarantor. That would be a little bit... Uh, Awkward. But the, here we say all Eden are a raven for one another. All Eden are guarantors for one another. And therefore, each and every Jew, the leader of the tribes, down to the water carrier, has a unique strength and a quality that qualifies him to be able to be a guarantor for another Jew, for a fellow Jew. And this can be understood in the words of the Al-Terebbe, that Amich. The whole Jewish nation is one complete figure. 
It's like a human body. Every limb and organ complements and completes the body. The head, brain, they look more superior than the other parts of the body. But yet, the legs support it, give it mobility. They take the whole body to go where it wants to go. When they don't hurt, ouch. Even the head. And similarly, every Jew has a part of that dimension, has a part of that concept, and thereby being an Arav for his fellow Jew. And one of the reasons that we have Pashas Nitzavim before Shoshana um, is it talks about Amal Hashem Ekech, we said before, God will circumcise your heart, the heart of your offspring, so that God should love you. And we know the words Es Levavcha Es Levav are an acronym for the word El. And therefore, it's the month of El that prepares us for Rosh Hashanah. It's the month of El that we blow Shefer daily. The month of El we say the Davar Hashem Eiri. The month of El we say three Kapitlach of Tehillim extra. And this ultimately culminates on Yom Kippur, the end of Yom Kippur. And therefore we start what we say also the most famous acronym being Anila Daidi Vidaidi Li as the Shlema Melch says in in the Shashirim I to my beloved my beloved to me or I am I am my beloved and my beloved is mine actually also emphasizing the relationship between God and Jewish people and so too the Alter Rebbe illustrates the spiritual potency of this month of El, and he says about the king being in the field before he enters into the palace. He's in the field, and there he's smiling at every each and every Jew. But this is all done. Not only you, but those that are here today and those that are not here today. The entire Jewish nation was here in his covenant. Maisha addresses them, explaining that his covenant is not only the Jews of that generation, that all were present physically, and are standing with us today, but those that are not here in this day. Even future generations, unlike with Matan where it talked about that all the Nish- well, everybody was actually there, all the Nishamas were actually there. And therefore there are various commentaries say, how is it possible that you can make up something of mind somebody who's not born yet. So some explain, as we just said, that the Nishamas were there at the time. Rashi offers, however, a new explanation. Rashi is the opinion that since God is not bound to natural limits of time, God can enter the covenant with any generation, any future generation. It's all to God, it's all one now. Past, present, and future. Name Havaya, Yudke Vavke, is Hoya, Havivia. Past, present, and future. And we find this in the words those are standing with us today and those that are not with us. <coughs> As we said earlier, everyone was present, everybody was here to enter into the covenant with the Abishta. Rashi therefore insists that the Yidden of the future generations also enter into this covenant not only by virtue of another ancestors because their ancestors were there but because they themselves were there and therefore each Jew together as we all stand as one and we'll be zeicher to hear the shefer 
of Mashiach Tzadkenut Ka B'Shefer Godel Chedusenu the big Shefer will be blown for our redemption we will merit this year Shana Teva Tikasa V'Sichasa Maksiva V'Chasima Teva Shana Teva Masuka with Mashiach Tzadkenu Yerushalayim Yerakedish Good Shabbos and a good year to each and every one of us